Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. You're listening to episode 32 of Fatalist, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl. My name is Dave, and sitting across the table, as always, ready to attack the creases of this week's episode. Welcome, Wayne. I like that. Was that a uh, lacrosse reference there? It, it was indeed. Nice. Well played, sir. Well played. Yes. All right. You've been a busy guy this weekend. I, have. I told you, man, once lacrosse season starts, it's, man, we're just, that's why I apologize to everyone out there who, uh, is waiting for us to get a new one out and everything. It's, it's been a while. It's entirely my fault. Um, I just get uh, super busy this year. Uh, Lax is a big, big in our family. So, you know, oh, what can you do? You know, it's hey, yeah, you're a good dad, man. And, uh, you know, the kids come first. So. Yes. All right. Now for me, uh, TV wise, I'm Andromeda is on hold. I am just totally, obsessed with once upon a time i finished season one and blown away and 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 in fact the interesting thing my wife decides well i wouldn't mind taking a look at this so she watched the pilot and you know okay that was great and and her tv watching is very fickle so it may be a month before she sees the second episode but for me re-watching oh my gosh I mean, so much from the first episode that came full circle. Oh, awesome show. Right. So, I mean, are you, did you even finish? You might say, did you finish season one yet? Yeah. I just okay. finished it right. yesterday. I, I had three to go, and you know how it is. You watch one. Well, I'll watch one more. Uh, hell, I only got one to go, so I'll stay up another hour. Yeah. Well, you got three to go. That's, that's tough because if you watch the first one, and they, they really hook you in, like, especially at the end of a season, you know, so, uh, you know, like you might as well just plan on if I have three left, I'm I'm watching all three. See if you have four, you can break it up two and two, but three, uh, you know, you know you're watching all three. So But uh you had time to watch anything? Um Lost Girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um the following is actually uh still pretty cool. Um uh, I was psyched for cult night. I think it was what well, used to be on like Tuesdays, I think. And uh and I go and, and it's not, it's not there. At first I thought it didn't record. So I was upset and I looked and I saw that CW moved it to Friday. So yeah, we all know usually it. not a good not sign. A, In fact, I, I think I may have read that it wasn't garnering the numbers they had hoped, but yeah. who knows? I mean, look, obviously it's on the CW, so it's got a chance. Sure. Sure. But, uh, if, uh, you know, if they're already moving it to Friday, that's, that's a bad sign. I don't, I don't get it, man. It's a, it's a pretty good show. And, uh, you know, the hype for it, the, you know, I mean, they've been, um, doing trailers and little bits between like supernatural and everything for ages now. Um, it certainly caught my attention long ago. So I'm surprised that it's not really pulling down better numbers. Yeah. Um, now speaking of new shows, uh, yeah, and we've mentioned this and I'm not going to, you know, go into it full blast, but keep seeing the promos for defiance. And in fact, I saw an ad for, I guess the, they must have a video game that goes with it. Yeah. I think that's a big tie in that, you know, it's uh you play a video game and it somehow relates to the TV show and everything. So it'll be, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Which is an interesting concept because I don't think 
Well, I, I'm certainly not going to play the video game. Uh, I don't know about you. Of course, you probably don't have time right now. No, I mean, but you know, there's there's a couple young men in this house who uh, are pretty big right, into gaming. <laughs> right, but then are they going to watch the show? And, no, I doubt and it. I, yeah, who knows? But I guess they figure, hey, a sale is a sale is a sale. Exactly. So, we'll get them one way or another. Yep. But uh, but uh, so yeah. Um, but uh, also, uh, I've I don't know if I mentioned this last time or not, but. Yeah, but actually, I don't think I did because I just started watching uh, Being Human in the U.S. I finished the U.K., uh, the first three seasons. We're still waiting for season four, I think. Or is it, wait, season five? Yeah, five. Season five, right. So I watched the first four seasons, waiting for season five to come to the U.S. Um, now, like, yeah, you know what? I really like that show. I'm going to check out the U.S. version. And uh, I really like it. Danielle has dirted it. She completely doesn't like it at all, but I like it. I think I think it's great. Yeah. If, if I, well, I think I said to you, if I had seen that one first, I would probably say, "Well, I'd probably like it." Be happy with that than one, the, yeah, than the the British one. So, well, I'm looking forward to talking about the British pilot someday, someday, if before I die. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Danielle is is she's she's tough to get to, into her schedule. Yeah, it's tough to crack the uh, the starting line up there. Well, we we had it, and it just slipped away. But yeah, just the technical problems that come with that girl are ridiculous, man. Uh, Missed twice now. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anything else before we hit the news? I uh, don't think so. You know? In this week's news, citing the show's giant ratings, and I think we mentioned this briefly last time, Showcase announced uh, on February 28th that a fourth season of Lost Girl would be filmed with production beginning that spring for a late 2013 premiere. Uh, later that same day, Sci-Fi confirmed that it would premiere season four in 2014 in the U.S. and that season four would again be 13 episodes. And... I know you th- you're thinking like I'm thinking like what? Yeah, yeah, that was a big WTF. I was I I don't get that at all. The only thing that makes sense to me, and and again, I certainly we don't have inner knowledge of the financial workings between networks. You know, maybe Sci-Fi was giving given a better deal. Maybe they they purchased it cheaper. If they delayed showing it, I, I don't know. What else makes sense? I, you know? I don't know. I mean, we've we've talked about this a lot, you yep. know, and just I, I don't I don't get it. It's it's crazy. Yep. Because I but, mean, if if you're a Lost Girl fan, you're going to get the show when it's showing in Canada, and then when it comes to the U.S., it's going to be redundant. Yep. But nonetheless, we're happy it's coming back for season four, which you know really is no surprise. The numbers have been strong, and, and apparently the numbers, and it's really difficult to get the numbers in Canada, um, but apparently they've been very strong there, and I guess that's you know the most important. All right. Now, former Lost showrunner and writer Damon Lindelof has been fairly visible in the sci-fi world since the ABC drama ended in 2010. We know him from Star Trek, Prometheus, Cowboys and Aliens have all kept his names uh, his name out there for genre fans. But what about his lost partner? And I don't mean that. Uh, well, yeah, I do mean that we can't find him. Uh, Carlton Cuse. Well, he's currently involved with a new project with Carrie Aaron from Friday Night Lights, but wants to emphasize that the new A and E series Bates Motel is not an homage to Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Really. 
Yes, it's about Norman Bates, played by Freddie Highmore of Finding Neverland. You see that? Yeah, that was a good movie. He's really okay. good. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He's he's an awesome actor. He's really, yeah, really yeah. very talented young man. All right. Now, his mother, Norma, is played by uh, Vera Farmiga, oh, yeah, I believe Vera is her Farmiga. name. Yeah, her, her little sister was the daughter on uh, uh, American Horror Story. Oh, okay. Well, she was uh, an Oscar nominee for Up in the Air. Right. And, um, and she was also uh, the, in uh, oh, the Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, my goodness gracious. Ah, uh, Matt well, David, well, Leonardo DiCaprio, the Scorsese film. Oh, man. No. Oh. Drawing a blank. All right. Well, anyway, while you're thinking, there's a hotel, which happens to be an exact replica of the famous house. Um, and the creators are calling this a contemporary prequel to the 1960 Alfred Hitchcock movie. And it enables them to basically go all sorts of directions with stories. All right. So here's the premise. Mother and son have arrived in the fictional Northern California town of White Pines Bay after leaving Arizona. And a mysterious accident that befell Norman's father... Mom bought a motel and the house that goes along with it. But apparently neither Norman or his mother is obviously evil in the way we might think they are. Now, you're going to like this. 17-year-old Norman has been taken in by a flock of hot girls at his new high school. And he ends up meeting Emma, a girl with cystic fibrosis who seems to find him a kindred spirit. Now, what will definitely be able to relate to is the fact that the series is shot in Vancouver with that dark and dreary Pacific Northwest look. You didn't watch The Killing, right? I have not seen The Killing. Though. Right. Not that bleak, and, you know, but uh, the pilot's going to air March 18th, and the first season's going to contain 10 episodes, which we like. Uh, expect a gradual plot development as the first couple of episodes establish character. Appearing in a recurring role will be Richard Harmon, who you know as Julian from Continuum. Oh, yeah. And Kate Winslet, you may have heard of. Nice. And she did this little movie called uh, the Titans. Titan. Titan. Remember the Titans, I think, right? Remember the remember, remember the, the Titanic. Titanic. That, yeah, something like that. So, anyway, you know, uh, you like horror, so this is probably going to be something we'll take a look at for sure. Yeah, I actually um, when I went, I took my son to see uh, Warm Bodies and. One of the, you know, when you have to sit there, you don't know this because you never go to the theater, but now not only do they have previews, but they also have previews of the previews. They have this whole thing beforehand, like for an hour before the movie starts and they, and what if they show like TV shows are coming up and all kinds of stuff. And so, and the show that they were talking about was Bates Motel and they were showing it. So it did, you know, it looks like, I mean, the actors in it are, are awesome. You know, the cast is great. So, um, but uh, you're right that the premise is, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of there with it a little bit. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, basically know how this one ends up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, you and I are both big Doctor Who fans, but admittedly, we're more of the the reboot Doctor Who. Right. I mean, you know, I've gone back and looked at a few of the older things, um, but. So this is really more for more for the uh, the old time hardcore. With the recent announcement that the famous final Doctor Who story with William Hartnell, who was the first Doctor, uh, the Tenth Planet, it was to have its missing segments animated. Planet Fifty Five Studios, the company behind the animation segments, went ahead and actually animated the regeneration sequence from the final part, which had been the only surviving segment of that lost fourth episode. The DVD, which is scheduled to be released in late 2013, follows what has been two years 
worth of work on the story. The regeneration sequence was given a preview in front of a group of fans in Australia, and uh, you can see the scene online in several different places. Now, what many people might not know is that due to the BBC's 1970s junking policy, and this was policy in America as well, uh, they just didn't store all the episodes, so that 106 episodes from the 1960s are still missing. And yeah, well, the film didn't last either. You know, it was... Well, it didn't last, but it, but in a lot of cases, they recorded over it, or they just threw it away yeah, because no, they didn't crazy. have the they didn't have the storage facilities yeah. that they do now. Uh, some are incomplete, and some exist only as audio recordings. And some have been reconstructed, so it'll yeah. be interesting. And there's actually to, uh, the uh, the famous uh, Lost Douglas Adams episode that actually someone taped Baywatch over it. Uh, is that true? No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's, that there's sounds There's a good. Lost Douglas Adams episode though that uh, apparently uh, one of our coworkers is is big into the old old fashioned time Doctor Who, and um, he said that Shada, which actually I think we talked about on the show before, um, but Shada is. They, they they've they're releasing it on DVD so, but it never got it was never uh, actually I don't think they ever finished filming because like towards the end of filming there was like a like a writer strike or something like that I believe he said yeah and so uh, it just you know it didn't it never made it to the TV but I guess they're releasing on DVD now all right all right well and finally uh, and I believe this was about two weeks ago during a press conference on the current budget issues. President Obama explained that he couldn't do, quote, a Jedi mind meld to get Congress to pass his preferred bill. Now, predictably, social networks quickly came alive. That's, that's about just his, gross crossover issues there. His genre faux pas. And showing a, a surprising sense of humor and cultural relevance, the White House got in on the act, putting out its own image tweet. And, uh, you know, whether you like them, don't like them. Uh, you got to like the fact that uh, the president's bringing two of our favorite series into the public eye, Star Trek and Star Wars. But uh, I think he's just kind of like demonstrating how he's trying to bring the country together by bringing together Star Trek and Star Wars. Yeah. But come on, Mr. President, you got to get them straight. Yeah, he's probably have that. It's like, oh, my God, are these people for real? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our world, Barack. <laughs> All right. And anyway, so that's uh, the news for episode 32. No, it's not the news. Come on, Dave. I, I sent you something. Remember? What? You, I do remember. Now I don't know what I did with it. All right. Well, okay. I'm going to help you out here. All right. Go ahead. Harrison Ford is definitely uh -huh. in for the new Star Wars flick. Carrie Fisher, they said she was definitely in, but then she denied it. But she's probably going to be in. And they're still working on Mark Hamill. Well, I, I happened to see something on the news. Now I remember uh, what you sent me. Um, and I saw something on the news last night that apparently, you know who leaked this? Was George Lucas. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I think I did and, read that. Yeah. And, you know, what most – I think most of our fans know that George Lucas signed over his rights to the franchise to Disney. Yeah. So, he so really, what's he doing you know, there in the first place? Right. So I don't know what kind of influence he's supposed to have. And apparently, uh, you know, he's not. So yeah, they're they're backtracking, but yeah, that would be pretty cool. Uh, I mean, that would be pretty cool. I'm pretty cool. Very, okay, very cool. <laughs> Extremely cool. There you go. <laughs> all right. So, all right. That's the news. That is the news. <laughs>
Now, our next segment is uh, Project X, yep. where Wayne will talk to us about Faye-related activities unique to this week's episode. So, what do you got? All right. Not a lot. A couple things here. Uh, first of all, we have a Poludnica, or a Lady Polly, which is an Eastern European noon demon. Um, so, she just she haunts, or whatever, she attacks... Uh, at the uh, hottest part of the day. And so she carries a scythe. Uh, she often appears as a young woman dressed in white. She also appears as a dust cloud, which I also saw that. We saw both of those. Or she can appear as an older hag or as like a 12-year-old girl. So, you know, basically, I guess probably like depending on where you're from, this story is different, you know. All right, we probably saw all, all of them except the 12-year-old girl last right. night. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's supposed to cause heat strokes, aches in the neck, and madness. So whenever you, you know, you're out work, work in the field, your neck gets a little hurt. It's clearly because some demon has, uh, been haunting you. Um, and, uh, you know, but so you can see like how something, uh, a story like this pops up. I mean, first of all, there's just, you know, things happen like, you know, you're a perfectly healthy man is out working the field and he has a heat stroke and dies and, and people are devastated. So they come to try and figure out how in the world could this happen. And of course they attribute some kind of supernatural thing because they don't, they can't understand how this, how could this possibly happen uh, naturally? Um, but also it carries a second way because it would scare the children away from the crops. If you got the, the crazy Paludnica wandering around out in the crops, well, you know, you tell the kids that and they're not going to want to go and run around the corn and trample all the crops, which is your livelihood, right? And that's a, probably a big problem. You got to worry about crows and rabbits and all these things getting at your crops and children can be the same because they want to go and play because they think it's fun. Um, so it's a, it carries a double purpose there. But uh, that's it for the Paludnica. Now we also okay, yeah. had, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say she was pretty creepy looking. I mean, creepy in a good way. I mean, she was a great, you know. Yeah, very like, creepy. A great evil figure. Uh, especially like, you know, when they, they show like the, the baddie from a distance, you know, when she's always in like the background. I think that's the creepiest part. Like I think, uh, and I, I mean, I thought this was a particularly well-directed episode. Um, and especially the, the beginning sequence, which I'll mention later, I thought it was very cinematic. And, you know, there's that... Um, a couple times when we first see a lady Polly, she's really kind of in the background, you know, she, I think she becomes less scary when she's actually attacking, you know, when it goes yeah. into the, the fight scene there, or whatever. Oh yeah. When you just see her standing off in the distance there. Yeah. See, that's super yeah. creepy. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that sounds good. Right, well, we got, but wait, oh, we got more. more. <laughs> really quickly. We also have a load star. Oh, okay. Um, which is basically like Polaris. A North Star is a lodestar. It's a star that would be used for navigation. Uh, but that's what it, you know, used to mean. Now, obviously, nowadays, if you're on a boat, you're not using the North Star for navigation any longer. Um, if you are, you should get a GPS. It's much more yes. accurate. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but so nowadays, it means anything, basically, that's used for guidance. And so we certainly see that uh, Stella here is, uh, you know, in there for, uh, to help bow through these, these trials that are, are upcoming. Um, and the name Stella itself is Greek for star. And uh, oh. 
Right. Nice. And there's uh, the famous uh, sonnet sequence of Astrophel and Stella by Sir Philip Sidney, at whose ancestral home I drank way, way, way too much at a wedding and uh, made a fool of myself, okay. I think. That was in Ireland? Uh, in England. England. In Kent. Okay. Yeah. All so right. it was, uh, it was, Sir, yeah, it was pretty cool, actually, because we're here we are at Sir Philip Sidney's house and i'm the only one who's like impressed by that because no one else knows who sir philip Sidney was but like this guy was like he was a courtier of queen elizabeth man he was he's a famous sonneteer and writer and and, and everyone's just like whatever but uh you know like there was a table in there they're like yeah you know henry the eighth ate at this table it's like wow you know it's just like that's a you just don't get that kind of stuff in america quite so much but it was cool no of course anything cool we tear down eventually yeah exactly or we put it on a four-month hiatus. Right. Oh, touche. <laughs> um, and the last thing, I just really quickly want to mention that, uh, you know, I, I actually last week had mentioned the um, the hero cycle, the, the Campbell's hero myth. And uh, we had actually talked about, about you know, crossing the threshold from the, uh, the, the world that's understood into the world of adventure. And in this episode we had a actual threshold a literal threshold that she had to cross through and when she did instead of this being this big thing it's just like okay well that's like step one that's the easy part you <laughs> know like the whole episode is just to get through the threshold she finally did and, and and stella's basically like all right now here comes the hard part yeah um, well dude you called it with that chart and and you know i've got in my notes i, I want to bring up a couple of those things uh, related to campbell's chart so i mean that was just that was right on time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, so. I swear I am not a writer for this show, people. I, I promise you. <laughs> I know sometimes it seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the episode recap. And this is episode seven of season three. There's Bow Place Like Home. And it is written by... Uh, Brendan York and directed by Gail Harvey. I just have to say here because... Uh, Brendan York spells his name, his first name, the same way we spell uh, my son Brendan's name. So I was impressed by that. Okay. The only and, other and person I've seen is Brendan Iambadejo of the Ravens. Okay. Now, are they first timers? Because I don't recall they, these they names. They are both first timers for uh, okay. Lost Girl. Okay. Well, I I know we both really like this episode, and and you know it, it opens with Bow and Trick. Uh, trying to see if Bo can walk through the threshold. So right away, you know, it, you know, Wayne's reference to Joseph Campbell's hero's journey chart was extremely prophetic. Um, and, but a, a great scene because she can't get through. And, you know, the whole thing, well, it, it, what we always tell every coach in America has said, Hey, just relax. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Make just relax. Let the, let the ball come to you. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know, which obviously uh, relax and focus, and easier said than done. You know, I, I like the electrical charge thing or whatever. Yeah, um, I like how she uh, picked up the axe. It was about to... yeah. <laughs> like first of all, where, why why does she have an axe in there? Like, <laughs> well, why wouldn't she? Yeah, I don't know. It just it seems like kind of an unusual thing to have inside a bar, but eh, whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously this episode is a lot about her and a lot of it takes place at the uh, at, at her the town she grew up in. But, you know, even still in this scene, right, when she is unable to get through the threshold, how does she react? Storms out. Right. Right. Goes home. Yeah. And Quits. I guess. 
you know, kind of easy to say she's reacting like a petulant child, but, you know, this isn't the first life and death challenge she's been faced with, and she always rises to the occasion, and I don't recall her necessarily becoming frustrated with anything. You know, in the past, she would just, you know, okay, what do I have to do? React, do it. I don't know if she's been faced with something that she couldn't overcome before, though. You know, like there's been this, even like with as as tough as as it was to take down the Garuda, you know, at least there were baby steps of progress that they were having. And here she's just flat out stonewalled, you know. Right. And now, I mean, obviously she probably feels somewhat helpless because, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I guess it's her body changing, right? Um, Right. As she's going, yeah, she's you know, undergoing actual physiological changes. Yeah, right, and um, you know, the, and it's out of her control. And you know, impulse doesn't work here, right? You know, sometimes for her, just you know, reacting on impulse, she can still be successful, but that's not going to work here. So, uh, you know. Obviously, you already mentioned the lodestone, and we'll get to her in a little bit. So the opening scene then cuts to the couple that's changing the tire along the side of the road, and it would have been a great scene. You know, they could have built a whole horror movie or a whole horror show out of that. Um, Grimly High is mentioned, and a cherry festival. Right. The best, the best cherries in the world. Yeah, it isn't like a nice cherry festival. Yes. Um you know, I was thinking about this the other day. It's, it's, I probably should get, do you have AAA? Yep. Okay. Well, I think I've got to get it because I think my, well, I need to knock on wood here, but, uh, you know, back in the day, changing a tire wasn't that big a deal. Heck, I used to rotate my own tires. Right. Um, but now, uh, now you need like a, a bachelor's degree to, to be oh able to do Oh my God, that. you're not kidding. Um, but one thing I do know is that there's really no need to go underneath the car when you're changing a tire. Okay, yeah, and that's what I was going to point I'm like, why is he underneath the car? Well, I guess he went under there because he couldn't get the wheel off after he took the lug nuts off. And he was, now, I still think you probably, I think I could probably bang it without crawling under the car. Yeah, it's because, you know, that, that little jack they give you yeah. is, is not, this is, it's not meant to really hold that car up very well, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the first thing my father told me was don't be an idiot and climb under the car. Right. So now but, that also being said, how's the car squish him? You know, like, is this like the lowest riding car ever invented? Yeah. I was going to say that, you know, I just, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get, it. so there's, I guess I should save that for the really, really section, but, yeah. uh, um, but yeah, I mean like that, I mean, I'll put it out there. That's why I really, really, I'm like, you're, you're going to, Go underneath the car to change a tire, really? Yeah. Like, come on, man. And the uh, the girl goes out into the field to relieve herself. Okay. Again, you know, um, waiting for the children to start, you know, walking through the... Uh, yeah, like how sure were you that she was going to get it? Yeah, pretty sure. Like, to- so. I mean, and that's what I like about this episode because they did a lot of that misdirection. You know, like your your expectations are kind of turned on their head, and and that was right from the start. You know, where we, you know, she goes in the field like, oh, okay, she's she's a goner, and it's not. She's fine. It's the guy, you know, who's stupidly going under the car to change a tire who gets killed. Right, and that's our first uh, take. You know, our first look at the. Uh, you know, uh, Polly 
And, you know, this ghost-like, ghoulish woman appears by the side of the road, and that's when we have the... Okay. Now, that's kind of parallels to Bo dreaming about the night she killed Kyle. And, I, you know, I've got, you know, killed, uh, you know, making the little finger quotes, and her mother calling her a slut and a whore, and, and you know... And then just do you we, think we see, I don't think that's what she's thinking about. I think she's just imagining herself as devolved because she's like chewing on like a hunk of some kind of meat. Well, yeah, I mean, she's well, her mother is calling her that, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. do, but right, like the, um, the, the, the visual we get is is like of her, she's got like the blue eyes, and she's like, So you don't think it was Kyle. No, no, because she didn't okay. like literally eat him. She just she well, no, she but, felt, right. but she's like she's like chewing on like a look like someone's like a leg or something like that. Oh yeah, right. Well, we come out and she's got blood all over yeah. her mouth, like a wild animal. Yeah. And it and it and you know it, it you know what it harkened back to uh, was, being human. No, Twilight. Um, that character who shall not be named on the podcast tonight, but that who uh, could. Uh, let me see how I can say this without you bursting into song. Um, could show images from. Oh, would you mean the Dreamweaver? Yeah, that would be it. <laughs> uh, but it almost hard. You remember that image that we've all had yeah, such right, a right, difficult right. time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, uh, you know. All right. Well, why don't we talk about. Uh, Let's talk about Trick first. Okay. Because okay, he's, you know, one of the things that, that you know, uh, Joseph Campbell points out and, and just kind of to, to take them in order, right? The, the first step is the call to adventure. Right. And, and so, you know, I, I, do you think, do, do we consider the Garuda incident part of that adventure? Hmm. Or is this a new adventure? I, th- I think this is a new thing. Okay. So the, the whole, I think you know, the, the call to adventure of- is where there's a problem that you need to solve. So the problem is that she's going to turn into a monster very soon. And so she's got to try and not do that. Okay. Okay. Now, I think, uh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? No, I was just saying. Okay. Yeah, so the next the thing is the supernatural aid. Okay. Which, I mean, got, you know, take your pick. I mean, we've got all, you know, we've got a succubus for crying out loud. So, uh, uh, but but she certainly has the aid of, you know, right, and and part of it is like you know Luke Skywalker and Ben Kenobi, you know, like the hero is inexperienced at first, uh, so he or she needs to pick up a mentor, and which is a actually funny because mentor was actually a person, right, like as a character, um, but the term has come to mean you know person who helps out and everything, right, well. We saw in this episode the threshold, obviously, and, and, you know, literally. And then, you know, so she gets through that. And then, you know, then in, in Campbell's uh, hierarchy that, that, you know, the next step is to face challenges and temptations. But she's going to have, you mentioned, a mentor and she's going to have helpers. And, and obviously we know who her helpers are going to be, you know, the, the usual suspects, Dyson, Kenzie, Lauren. Uh, so who's her mentor? I mean, is it Trick? Or, well, I, or I think it, both of them. You know, okay. both Trick and Stella, 
Okay. Uh, really, but you know, uh, primarily trick, I would say for okay. sure. So you think we're going to see Stella in a recurring role? Well, I think so because it's okay. you know just the fact that you know a, a load star is something that guides, right? And so, and this is just the first step. So I think we we are going to see her more, especially since it also seems like there's a little relationship developing here. Yeah, between, how about uh, that between Trick and, and Stella? Yeah. What did Dyson call it? The trick something? What did? Yeah, oh, I, oh, I, I remember he saying that like uh, that she's like cracked to him. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, he's like, oh, hold on, I actually had the lie here. Hold on, let me okay. see if I find it. Uh, right. Well, you know, as you're looking for that, so so you know, we we see the trick is, you know, it, it, he's certainly uh, one of her mentors, which is no surprise. I mean, he's been her mentor all along. He's brought in the consultant, as you've said, to help Bo. Because failure here, you know, comes with a pretty severe price. Failure is not an option. Right. That result in her becoming an underfay that needs to be locked up in, uh, you know, prison. Right. Uh, so his consultant gives Bo a drink and basically, what, what's she reading? Tea leaves? Yeah, or? tea leaves, yeah. Okay. Reminiscent of uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, okay, good. Um, so we find out she's got quite a reputation and quite a history for helping hundreds of Faye go through this very thing. But obviously, as has been mentioned a couple of times, the time frame is what's causing the problem now. Is that ordinarily, I think they said uh, hundreds of yeah, years. Yeah, a couple hundred years to train for this. Bo's got a couple weeks. Yeah. That sounds like a tall order. Right. But she, you know, and again, I guess she, part of her thing is being perceptive and she certainly uh, and tells Bo that she harbors a lot of rage and she's got to confront the source of her estrangement you must forgive you must go home and yeah it's funny because well again once again how our expectations are kind of derailed because when she starts saying you have to like go back and talk to your mother we everyone say well yeah Aoife you know we, we assume she's still out there uh, but then she's like, "No, you're you're the woman who raised you," and and then I was like, "Whoa! Like, where did that come from?" And if I hadn't accidentally seen the trailers the previous week, I'd probably be even more surprised. Uh huh. Well, you know, and it's interesting. I mean, here we are at the. Would this be considered the fulcrum episode of season three? Is the fulcrum like the the yeah the middle part, right? the center the, point? Yeah. yeah. So episode seven in a thirteen. Um, That's what, uh, who was it? Uh, some said, give me a, a fulcrum and a long enough lever and I can move the world. Oh, okay. Um, whoever. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, that was uh, Archimedes, I believe oh, said that. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, we've gone two and a half seasons and we still, we, it, this is the first time we've returned to her hometown, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you think as a, as a, uh, a storyline, um, you know, it's about time. Yeah, sure. And, and, okay. and again, the the it's a it's a mix of what you'd expect, and then kind of like well, as we start talking, you know, we said this about the show in the beginning. You know, like they kind of look like they go one way, they look like they're following the cliche path, but then they just twist a little bit, they turn it. So you got going back, and of course, you have to meet the some friend from high school whose name ends with an I E, and we had Dougie, right? Yes. And then you have to run across. 
the popular kid, except, well, he gets crushed by a car, though, right? right? And then you have to run across the pretty girl who's kind of snobby or has a chip on her shoulder. We got Jessica here and everything. So um, so it has these elements of a traditional TV show, return back to your hometown type thing. But, you know, it turns it all on its head a little bit and, and twists it. So it's, it isn't cliche. And it's uh, what happened, like, you know, it's unexpected. Jessica dies. So, popular quarterback dies. Dougie uh, is used to wear guy lighter. And, yeah. and now it turns out to be, but, but, and also our expectations, well, the guy who was picked on everything, Doug, Dougie, whatever, is going to be the big hero in the end. And he passes out or is knocked out. Yep. So. Well, we've, we've seen Bo searching for the truth about her Faye past and her Faye family history before, you know, so now it's kind of interesting that, you know, she's forced to come to grips with her past as a child adopted by a human family that, you know, really didn't have any idea what it was dealing with. I mean, I guess we're, we're led to believe that her Faye-ness really didn't uh, emerge until she was a teenager, right? Or, or you know, a, a an older teenager, not right. Yeah, 13. Right. It seems to kind of you know, it coincide with her, you know, becoming more sexually active. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it, you certainly can understand the parents freaking out when, you know, they see that. But anyway, so. But the color the, of slut might be taken a bit too far. Uh, I mean, yeah. I would, how pissed you have to be at your daughter yeah. to call her a slut, right? I uh, mean, really, well, that's, that. That's to me, that's crossing the line just a little bit. All right. Well. Regardless, unless you know, your dog really is a slut, then I guess you can. Well, ahead. true. Okay. So, uh, uh, regardless, she's got to return home and basically come to grips and, you know, let go of her anger, let go of her rage. And, you know, n- nothing else is going to, you know, is going to um, suffice. All yeah. right, so, and then, we, again, we, here's where our, our expectations are derailed because we're completely expecting from what her dreams and what she said about her mother, we're expecting this to be a very confrontational meeting. And she gets there and her mother is suffering from dementia and is just this like sweet old lady. Yeah. Yeah. Now, even before, if you can hold that thought for a second though, before we, you know, before we get there and I don't know, you we're going to, I'm going to tread carefully. Um, or maybe not, but Bo and Lauren. Oh, okay. And, you know, as, as you and I have been talking, as we've been, you know, kind of reading things out there on the internet from Lost Girl fans, and, and there's a lot out there about the Docubus relationship and um, some pretty strong feelings. Um, all right, so Lauren tells her she knows why Bo left, you know, and it was the fact that, you know, what happened with Kyle. And she goes through the whole thing. Don't blame them for their ignorance, which, you know, is sage advice, you know, no, no doubt. Yeah. Good, good advice for sure. Right. And, you know, that this could be your only hope. Uh, Lauren offers to go with her. Bo says, no, I'm going to take Kenzie. Oh, what's up with that? Yeah. Lauren does seem a little put out by that. I guess that, that, it makes sense. So she knows that, you know, like she, well, well, she has to understand that, that Bo knows that Kenzie 
really needs her right now, that she wasn't there for Kenzie when she needed her before. And so now she's trying to make up for that a little bit. Okay, so that's what you you think that's what it is, as opposed to not wanting to be a foot. No, because uh, well, I mean, first of all, I'm kind of like taking it back because I'm like, okay, I seem to recall her saying, "I will never forgive you," right? And now here they are back together, and everything. I'm like, so I actually wrote my notes. So I guess never doesn't last very long for Bo. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's so much of her not wanting Lauren as it is wanting just quality time with Kenzie. Okay. Which actually, I, and, and see, that's what I, I, I mean. You can, I, I, I'm not against Bo and Lauren being together. Okay, I'm not. I, I'm not one of the people who thinks, oh, the, the homosexual relationships are terrible. That's that's ridiculous. Okay, I, and but uh, I, I think clearly here the the people who the writers here are, you know, kind of making this relationship with Lauren. It's an impediment to her relationship with Kenzie. Um, and because when she concentrates on her relationship with Lauren, that's when she kind of ignored Kenzie there. And when she focuses on Kenzie, as we see here, then she has to leave Lauren behind, you know? So it's almost like the, the two just, I'm not saying in, a, the, in the real world, these kind of things can't exist because obviously they can, but on this made up fictional TV show, the two relationships are not working out. Well, and, and, you know, even to take it, you know, you know, to further what you're saying, uh, because we know, you know, I mean, we've read a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot of feeling out there that that the way sci-fi is marketing the show is sort of a slap in the face to the Bo-Lauren relationship that, you know, they show Bo, they show Dyson, they show Kenzie, uh, why not Lauren, as if it's some sort of uh, homophobic response to the relationship, which I think is, you know, kind of short-sighted. But in the context of the story, Bo's a succubus. This relationship is doomed from the start. Right. You know? I mean, it's, you know, Bo, like you said, look, I mean, you know, uh, gay, lesbian, trans, you know, whatever. It's, you know, if it makes you happy, great. Go for it. Um but within the context of this character, you know, to stay in a monogamous relationship with one gender just doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, either gender. Because, I mean, I, you know, I, I savaged the Dyson-Bo relationship, if you remember. Yeah. You know, I just think Bo, as a character, as a hero, like a hero's just in general, the, you can't, there's a reason why, like, you know, Jack Bauer's wife got, so, sorry about the spoiler, if you haven't seen season one, but why she gets killed <laughs> in season one, I think the right? statute of limitations yeah. is up on that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's, there's a reason why Luke Skywalker's aunt and uncle get killed. It's so the hero doesn't have any of these attachments and they can go out and do what needs to be done. And so I think Bo, as a, as a hero, heroine, whatever, um, is just she's a more compelling hero when she's not in these monogamous relationships. You know, right. She's just better off when she's out there on her own, being able to do what she wants. Yeah, and, and I think it gives her more of an edge also when she's not involved in a relationship. She seems, she seems to get a little bit too comfortable uh, sometimes when – She's in a relationship as well. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a good good assessment. So, 
Well, anyway, and that's pretty much all we see out of uh, Bo and Lauren in this episode. I mean, uh, Lauren does give her the inject three injectors. Yeah, and of finish. course, there's only three left, right? Of <laughs> yes. course. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Kenzie, like, overreacts right. twice. It blows one. Just, well, the um, second one was... Yeah, I guess she was... The second yeah. one she needed. The first one was uh, she jumped the gun a little bit. All right. Now, uh, again, as they're ready to embark on their, their journey home, you know, Dyson talking to Trick. And, and Trick realizes, dude, you got your love back. He's like, yeah, and you can I, smell it, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I thought he, you know, he must have known, but I guess not. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think it was that tough to figure out, really. You know, the trick seems to be a little bit slow on the uptake recently. Yeah, In season three, he's been a little bit, uh, a little bit behind the times. Yep. So you know, Dyson says, "I can't lose Bo. I can't just sit by." Um, but you know, he, he's like, "But you know, look, I respect." Lauren and Bo, and, you know, I'm not going to intrude. You know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to let that take its course. And then Trick, of course, you know, in the cold and calculating way says, it's not going to last. That's just temporary. Well, it might last, but it's still short term, right? right? And what he means by short term is that the length of a human life, which to them is very short. Yeah. So, oh, like, okay. You just, I think what he means is, this relationship could last the next 60 years. Okay. All you have to do is cool your heels for those 60 years and then bam, she's oh, all yours. Good. Oh, that's good. Really? Cause I didn't really see it that way, but I think you probably on to something. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he was saying necessarily that the, the relationship itself, I'm just, I, th I think he meant short term and long term as in the, sh the very short term of a human life as compared to the long term of a fae life. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. All right. So, we finally pile into the yellow Camaro, which could use a little bit of body work. Yeah, it's still a pretty sweet ride, though. Yeah, yeah, it is, but it looks a little more beaten up than I'd noticed in the past. But like you said, still. All right, so, but Bo asked Kenzie about the rash on her arm. So, you know, there again, there's, and, and obviously in the last scene, she brings up the Norn. So, you know, there's these, Residual questions that keep coming up. Kenzie ignores her. Okay. Um, then you already mentioned Dougie or Doug. Sorry. Right. <laughs> uh, Bo recognizes the attendants who calls Bo Beth, um, and and she does use her last name again. I mean, we we had the last it, name of it, Dennis. Yeah, it's official. Right. So Beth Dennis. Uh, Doug, and then Doug starts telling them about all the bad things that have been happening in town, and. Uh, Bo's eyes go blue. So is this like she's hungry or is this part of the, gosh, I almost said regeneration. Uh, <laughs> is this part of the rite of passage, the, the physio physiological changes that she's going through? Um, yeah, I think so. Okay. And then we also see, it doesn't, doesn't it flash where we, she, we see her with the blood on her right, mouth. She, she pictures herself again as like devolving and everything. It's that, right. that same image that we saw in the, in her nightmare, and that's also in the in the tapestry. Okay, and then uh, and then off. And you had mentioned earlier, you know, the 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 really creepy scene with, um, yeah, creepy uh, people in the background. It's yes, that's, that's in the background. That's All right, so creepy. pull up to Bo's home, 
And what's the first thing she says? That bitch in there said some things to me that echo in my brain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kenzie pulls out the injector. She, she as provised. Yes. And then, but like you said, I mean, it, it's completely unexpected, the reaction we get from her mom. And it's right. just, you know, again, it's really touching and, and you know, hugs her, uh, Bo responds, mama, which, you know, again, just, just melts when, when her mother's, you know. Yeah. Well, it just shows you, you know, how, how badly she wanted that, you know, how badly she wanted that love from her mother. Yeah. That she's ready to tear into this woman. She's all stealing herself to be hard and tough. And, and uh, after two seconds, she's all like, Mama. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't take long. Bo notices all the pill bottles. Right. Yeah. You know, that, you know, indicating some sort of a health problem. And, and we learn you know, pretty quickly that she has uh, some form of dementia. Right. Some form of dementia that makes you become like super nice. Yes, <laughs> I forget um, that you you don't like people or something. Like that. But all right. I, at this moment, I do have to say that uh, when as Bo goes in the house, she says, "Keep the car running." And yeah. I think as a Canadian television show, that is quite possibly a literal shout out to Arcade Fire. They have a really good song called "Keep the Car Running." Wow. So it, I mean, An- it's, another band I've never heard of. Right. Well, you, it's it's a band you should have. They're awesome. Okay. So right. you know, normally I would say, well, obviously, you know, it's not. An, it's not an unusual line. It's, it's not a line that people don't say, but just being as a Canadian show and Arcade Fire is a Canadian band, by the boom, by the bing, I think it's uh, well worth talking about briefly. All right. Well, now you mentioned, you know, the, the form of dementia that makes, you know, somebody nice. I mean, mom does have a Beth shrine going. Yeah. Um, and then mentions that her father's gone. He's so gone. I guess. Right. Obviously, we assume that means dead, but still, you know. Right, we assume. And did I hear mom mention that she has an Aunt B? <laughs> she did say something about an Aunt. I didn't catch the name. That'd be great yeah, Aunt, Aunt B. B. Oh, nice. Yeah, but nice touch, yeah, yeah. really. Well, but, and then uh, you see, like, how her life in, as a human kind of mirrors her life as a as a fae, because in the fae world, she's got significant issues with her mother, and the father is gone. And so the same thing is happening here in the human world as well. Yeah. And, and she mentions that, that it's like, you know, double the mommy issues. Um, now mom suggests they change out of their city clothes and put on their country. What, what is gingham by the way? I don't think either of those was gingham, but yeah, uh, gingham's a, a type of cloth. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. But, uh, um, Kenzie looked pretty good in her dress. I mean, that was not a bad dress. She did, even with the, the sensible footwear that really. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's but, a, that's a, the one thing that Kenzie, she almost lost it there when they, she suggested yeah. the sensible footwear. All right. So they go they go into town to the Cherry Festival. And, you know, really, it's you, you see Bo kind of flashing back and, and uh, you know, that first scene where those young girls are jumping rope. And, you know, really just looking longingly or, you know, reminiscing, whatever. I was on the team, regional champs. And, yeah, I just know, learned Ken- all kinds of stuff about Bo here. Right. Kenzie, uh, some smart-ass comment about, geez, even I know what double Dutch, well, I don't exactly know what double Dutch is, but, I mean, I know it's something to do with ju- jump roping. Right. Um, you know, it always has so, some kind of rhyme you, you say along with it. Well, not 
you or, or me even, but you know, kids do. Right. But, uh, you know, so starting to kind of, you know, assimilate back into the uh, town in which she grew up. All right. So, um, we see another girl. What, what was her name? Uh, the one you mentioned, Jessica, the, Jessica, because we find out that Bo was Miss Cherry Blossom three times. And apparently Jessica was the runner up each time. So, uh, Harbored a little bit of ill will, but she got hers. I think she choked on a cherry, right? Yeah, but I don't think she deserved that. She, she was. I was sympathetic with Jessica. I felt bad well, for her, you know. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, as I understand it, and you know, the idea was that all of these guys were together the night that they uh, they, they, they helped, like you know, Lady Polly forth bring Lady Polly right. Right, so that she's picking them off one by one. So, I mean, yeah, none of them deserved it. Right, well, and, um, you know, again, this is where your expectations are, are twisted here or turned because, you know, here comes the, the blonde, attractive girl coming up to, oh, well, hello, Beth, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. that. So we expect her to be like kind of the, the the snob who picked on Beth or Bo when she was younger. And it turns out she's a... You know, pretty sad character, you know, who is was hoping to kind of get together with this guy this one last time and is still holding on to the past a little bit too much and, uh, you know, all this stuff and, and uh, you know, always the runner-up, you know, so she wasn't the the upper dog, you know, she was the one who was coming in second to Bo and I, f- I felt really sorry for her and then she dies and you're like, oh, that sucks, you know, like she didn't get any really... Have any chance it's a the last minute of happiness or anything? So yeah, and, and the interesting thing here is that you know we have a sense of Bo's place in this town when she was growing up. I mean, right? She left at eighteen, right, or seventeen or eighteen. But um, I mean, she was Miss Cherry Blossom three times. I mean, she was, you know, I don't know what the female equivalent of BMOC is, but uh, you know, I mean, she was certainly one of the you know, top dogs, if you will. Right. And for her mom, you, 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 to have reacted, I guess, at that time, I mean, well, I guess mom was a, was a Bible thumper, at least the way she's portrayed her in the past. So, right. right. Well, but, anyway. But yeah, but like, you know, all that has now changed, you know, like, or it's changed from what we'd expect. And, you know, so it's, uh, you know, goes against the grain of your normal homecoming episode of a TV show. Now, she asks her mom if she remembers the night that I left. And suddenly the wind kicks up. The uh, Lady Polly appears nearby. And, you know, that's when we, she, she takes her first swipe at her, right? Is, and she just turns to dust at that point? I can't remember now. Uh, yeah, well, like the kind of like the, the cloud. Yeah, all right. And then uh, mom reverts back to, you know, um, calling Bo a devil child. And... Uh, Bo says, it's always been my fault. And I'm not sure what she meant there. I think, well, part of the, the this episode is Bo seeing herself as a good person and yeah. getting rid of all this guilt that she's had heaped upon her and that she's taken on herself ever since, you know, she was a teenager. And, and certainly through her time in the Faye world, uh, she blames herself. She blames herself for what happened to Kenzie. You know, she she sees herself as responsible for 
so much that is really not her responsibility, you know. And so, you know, finally at the end, she's able to say, I'm a good person. And you think that that's really where she had to get to. It wasn't so much forgiving her mom as forgiving herself. Yeah. And, and in this episode we see, so you're, I guess what you're saying is she's kind of going back and forth. And this is one of the ones where she's kind of regressing and that, you know, it was my fault. But then, like you just said, by the end of the episode. Right. Right. Because yeah. you got to like, you know, you have to get at your lowest point before you can you can come back up. But yeah. I thought, well, you know, the classic, like, Kenzie goes, Bo, do not Dukes of Hazard on me, you know. Yeah. But she does Dukes well, of Hazard, you know, like the whole, like, you know, jumping into the, of course, Gerald Lee had a top on it, but, you know, they always climbed in through the windows because you couldn't get into the doors. And then they always, like, peeled out afterwards of the big cloud of dust behind them. Yeah. I don't know, did you watch the Dukes of Hazard? You... Oh, of course. Okay. Right. There were two guys in it, too, right? Yeah. The Bo and Luke Duke, man. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I sort of remember them. Um, yeah. now, my, now, mom, you, you my, my mom really wouldn't let me watch. I had to watch it on the sly. Oh, okay. I had to go to my cousin's house and watch it. Okay. Um, now, you know, now, you mentioned, uh, you know, that that kind of reaching the low point, you know, is sort of a funny scene because she really kind of is reaching that low point. And she gets back to the festival and she's downing shot after shot of, I don't know what it is, cherry. Cider. Well, I guess cherry hard cider. Right, I guess. Like hard cider, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then it's almost as if she comes up with that, that you know, where she needs to feed and then says that cherry pie ain't going to cut it. Um, but then right on the heels, then I'm, cha- I'm not changing into a monster. I've always been one, which then goes back to what you were just saying, where she's still going back and forth. So, all right, back to Dougie. And uh, apparently he went through his goth phase back in the town and they were all involved in the seance. And and that's, you know, we find out that's how Lady Polly got uh, got free and now they've got to capture her and put her away, which, you know, is kind of just really a a small part of the episode. I mean, sort of the the procedural, if you will, in this episode. Right, there's that minor type procedural even with the, the call back to trichopedia and everything so but yeah you know as, as it, it reaches the expected outcome where um but the bow has to use the last injection on lady polly before they kick her down the well yeah which again i mean you know you wonder did lauren expect her to need all three yeah well it's we'll I, I assume we'll find that out soon enough yeah so all right. Well, anyway, Bo makes one last visit to mom, who's now, you know, reverted back to the sweet, docile woman that we first met. And, you know, they kind of hug it out there. You know, Bo lets her mom know she's sorry for everything. And mom, again, you know, that, that you don't need to be sorry. And then, as you, you mentioned the line, I'm, I'm good, you know. Yeah. And, mom- and, and, and the, I thought a very, very touching scene. Um, and, the the actress huge kudos to the actress playing the mother uh because it's difficult i, I mean I, I assume it's difficult i'm not an actor at all but I, you know it seems to me the hardest thing for acting is what you do with yourself and your body when you're not talking and yeah. so Bo is delivering this long monologue but the camera's on her on the, on the mother we see the mother's face and to see her reactions and her facial expressions as Bo goes through the monologue was just, she was so good. It was just so good. It was, ah, oh, man, I was just about, 
eyes are getting a little wet watching that yeah. one. Well, well, in, in fact, um, you know, she says, "I'm good," you know, and her mother says, "You always make things better." Yeah. You know, which is you get the idea. That's the kind of kid she was growing up in this town until you know the the, the you know that the one incident that caused her to she, like, killed her know, boyfriend to, to leave stuff. home. Yeah. Um, and she explains to her mother that you know I've got a family now that that love me that that you know support me and and uh, I think she met she says that I I've met my grandfather right, mm-hmm. which you know obviously mom has dementia so that. You know, because I would think she had a human, you know, an adopted grandfather, but I guess we don't really know that for sure. Right. But she says, you know, if you really knew me now, you'd be proud. I did good, and I don't need to carry around those terrible memories anymore. So, you know, I can't hate you anymore, and I'm done hating myself. I'm Faye and Bo. Yeah, and there's that scene where she says, "I'm done hating you," and the the mother just kind of moves her hand across her her mouth, like it was just such a like this a little gesture. But uh, you know, I mean, this lady, yeah, has suffered from dementia, but still is cognizant enough to you know realize what Bo's saying. Yeah, but and, and the, I guess on the other hand, it almost doesn't matter whether she does or not because it 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 works for Bo. True. True. So. But, uh, you know, and then, <laughs> that, that, that really at the end where she says, I love you too, Bo. So everything that she had said, you know, like the mother gets, okay, I understand you're saying this. What you mean is you love me and I love you too. And that's kind of, yeah. Now, before I forget, really cool visual effects every time Lady Polly appears. Oh, yeah. You well, know, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the direction of this was absolutely top notch. And like I thought one of the more cinematic uh episodes we've seen you know I mean, like especially the beginning I, like i could totally picture this like on a, like a, a movie screen you know yeah um all right now one person we haven't really talked much about is kenzie and still doesn't seem herself and and you know her jokes seem forced you know when she had trouble pumping gas that kind of jumped out at me because, I mean, this is like, you know, we've always said from from season one, episode one, what we learn about Kenzie is she's street smart. She knows how to pump gas. Yeah, well, so maybe not, you know, though. Well, she does live I, in the I city. Just, see, I guess I just felt like the whole idea, you know, it's just like she's still not herself. Now, she even says she's still getting her mojo back, but um, – and she sort of gets back to her old self when – you know, she starts realizing, okay, we got to come up with a plan to trap Lady Polly and all of that. But, you know, Bo's recognized. And you mentioned, you know, when I brought up uh, the fact that she told Lauren she wanted to go with Kenzie instead, and you mentioned that, you know, it was a chance to spend time. And, and you know, maybe it was. Um, Bo tells her you can't keep hiding behind your jokes. And she says, I can't talk about it yet. Well, talk about what? What are we talking about? Well, just what happened to her. Just you mean when she was captured? Yeah, yeah, when she was well, captured by the Kassoon. Well, okay, but you know, all the things she's gone through. I mean, you know, the whole scene with the the Garuda, the the war with the Garuda. I mean, that yeah, was pretty true. intense. I mean, it just didn't. You know, it, it just doesn't seem to fit. And and you know what she, you know, she, I can't talk about it yet. You can't talk about the fact that. You went to the Norn and got Dyson's love back. Right. That that part. Again, that's you know, we're getting to a place we're getting pretty close to 
Kenzie's going to have to, you know, spill the beans. And, and will Kenzie lie to cover for Dyson? Because she knows Dyson doesn't want Bo to know that, you know, he's got his wolf back and everything. Right. Um, or his love for her. And, you know, so she, either she rats out Dyson or she lies to Bo. So which is she going to do? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And, you know, I mean, Dyson's already said that he's going to, you know, stay out of things, but we'll, you know, we'll see. I mean, once Bo knows, yeah, who knows? All right. Well, the closing scene, we're back at the doll. Dyson's pouring a drink. And, you know, I think you already mentioned Trick likes Stella. And, you know, Bo walks through the threshold with no problem. And she thinks that's all there is to it. And we learn that uh, nope. not so not so fast, young lady. <laughs> you got the temple ahead of you. Yes. So, um, you know, so I guess a series of tasks, tests, whatever. Um, now the real training begins. Right. And then Kenzie, why'd you go to the Norn? Yeah, just ending on that. Bam. Yeah. You know, bam, just ends it. And well, so, uh, and, and we've talked before. It's it's uh, now you'll probably remember, and I'll probably forget because that's kind of the way it seems to work here. Is that uh, come on now? That's a pretty important question. They need to address it in the next episode, hopefully. So yeah, I don't know though. I don't know. Yeah, they they have a funny way of delaying stuff like that. You know, like when we saw mm-hmm. Kenzie get taken, and there was a whole episode. In between, you know, before they realized it wasn't Kenzie and they had to go rescue her. Yeah. Yeah. Now, who didn't we see in this episode? Well, we didn't see Hale. Hale. Hale, No Hale. We didn't see Tamsin. No Tamsin, too, yeah. Uh, We didn't see the Morgan, which, you know, in and of itself. But you're talking like people we normally would see every episode. Certainly Tamsin and Hale uh, stick out. And we didn't see Vex. Right. But again, Vex is also... Oh, well, right, right, right. But, you know, I, but I thought there for a little bit that they were going to start making him an everyday character at the beginning of the season, um, but clearly that's not happening. Well, you did see the... I, I retweeted, and I'm still, uh, you know, as we've said to the listeners many times, we are Facebook and Twitter novices. So, uh, but I retweeted something from Chris Holden Reed's... Uh, Twitter page where it was a picture of him and gosh, Paul, what's the heck? The guy that plays Vex. Uh, Paul, Paul, something. Yeah. God, I got all the names here of people, but uh, so what does that mean? Well, you know, okay. Well, if he's having a drink with, uh, with Vex, that must mean that Vex is filming an episode. To well, be, uh, I've, I've, no question that that he was going to be back. Paul Amos, by the way. Oh, Paul, right. Yeah. Oh, and it was The Departed was the Leonardo DiCaprio movie I was thinking of before. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, well, I mean, if you ask me, is he going to be back? I'd say, oh, absolutely. For sure. You know he's going to be back. But I just, he, you know, um, not in the same capacity where in the beginning of the season he was uh, a, every – Every in every episode for like the first four or five episodes. All right. So, all right. Well, anything else? Nope. Okay. Well, why don't we hit our predictions? Okay. And well, my prediction is 
just you know we we kind of just talked about it, is that I think that Kenzie will have to make a decision whether to protect Dyson or lie to Bo. Uh, I'm sorry, or or tell either protect Dyson or tell Bo the truth. And I think she's going to pick of telling Bo the truth, and okay. she's going to rat Dyson out. She's going to dime him out, and uh, Bo is going to find out pretty soon that Dyson has his nerve back. Okay. All right. Well, my prediction is in that same milieu, and uh, I'm going to go with a, an either-or, is that I think once Bo finds out what Kenzie has done, she's going to be pretty angry, uh, mostly because of the deceit and the withholding. But one of two things, either she's going to ask Kenzie to leave or, because she'll realize Kenzie really has nowhere to go, she'll move in with Lauren. Hmm. Now that see, you're usually pretty, pretty safe in your predictions, but you're actually throwing one out there, man. Okay, I like it. I like yeah, it because I don't think I don't think she's going to be too pleased when when she finds that out, and um, I think that's going to be because she, you know she does tend to react, and some might say overreact, but so. cool. Yeah. All right. Well, did we? I think we. We kind of covered our realies because uh, you, I think you had mentioned, you know, yeah, guy mine, craw- mine was just the, the craw- guy crawling under the car, yeah, to- going under the car to change the tire. That's so that's so crazy. That's so ridiculous. And then the car squishing him, like there's there's still like three other tires on that car. So I think he would probably be all right. Yeah. I don't think he would have been. He certainly would have been killed. No. You know, for crying out loud. But you know, whatever. It's a TV show. Yeah, right. So, all right. Well, as always, you can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the website, fatalist.podbean.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And we're making a little bit of progress. And and seriously, if you haven't been, I've put links in several places. But uh, the, the chart, the Joseph Campbell chart, for the hero's journey, definitely check it out. I mean, it's, it's so apropos at this point, it's kind of scary. And as most of you have been likely doing, you can access the podcast through iTunes. So until next time, your father and I tell each other that story all the time. (laughs) It was from this episode. (laughs) I thought it was nice and enigmatic. Actually, it was just, once again, we got to the end of the podcast. I realized I hadn't come up with anything to sign off with, so I just basically picked this first quote I found.